Thank you for asking me to do this. And uh, it's great to be here at Tosnua. Um, I am going to talk a little bit about, uh, well, how it was and what happened and how things are now, but specifically with step 11, um, when Mark told me about uh, these, uh, the meetings, this sort of series of step workshops at, um, that you were having here, uh, I definitely, um, uh, uh, he asked me what, what step I wanted to, to uh, tackle. And I definitely wanted to tackle one of the more difficult ones for me, which is one of the ones that has uh, one of the gaudy, one of the gaudy ones, godly ones. And, and so I chose this and uh, I have a whole bunch of notes here and I'll try to make some sort of sense of them. But um, first I'm gonna start out with a reading, which I think my friend Tom here, recently read it's from the uh from the doctor's opinion and it's about uh it's about us alcoholics uh men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it it is injurious they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false to them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. Drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to, to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging re remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over. And unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of, of recovery. Um, when uh, I started uh, drinking alcohol when I was 13, but you know, um, where I grew up in a nice little suburb of Washington, DC, it was a lot easier to get drugs uh, than alcohol for a 13 year old. So I found myself um, initially just drinking beer to sort of come down off the other drugs that I was doing at that age. Um, but, uh, Basically, from, from the age of 13 until I, I went, um, did a lot of drugs, uh, and then, then became a chronic alcoholic. And by the time I, I came in here, I had been used to um, changing my consciousness whenever I wanted to, pretty much, uh, however I wanted to. Um, I loved the, uh, the riskiness and the thrill of that. And... Um, and that was, it had always been just a huge part of how I coped with life and how uh, I enjoyed life. And the reason why I stopped drinking, it was one year before um, I ever went to an AA meeting. Um, I, uh, I was uh, later uh, diagnosed with decompensated cirrhosis, which is, uh, um, I'm sure many of you know, um, it's when uh, the liver has um, uh, built up so much scar tissue from all of the alcohol that I was putting in it that the, the blood vessels can't get through anymore and they start to bunch up and that causes hemorrhaging either in the esophagus or the stomach. Or those are the two main places it happened. So uh, my sobriety date, March 15th, 2012, um, uh, that, that, that happened for the first time and I was in the hospital and um, 
that that year um, I hemorrhaged two other times, and then a year later um, I was uh, told that I would uh, need a liver transplant, and the liver transplant department uh, at University of Maryland here in Baltimore ordered me into the rooms of AA. Um, at that point, I'd gone um, a year uh, without drinking or doing drugs, and that chill of sobriety was really starting to set settle in. I, I'd been scared enough by the experience of um, in the hospitals where I, where I was told that if I, if I drank again, I would bleed again. If I drank again, I would not survive um, what they'd been able to pull me out of um, in 2012. So, um, uh, but what I was, I know at that time, before just in that those months before I came into AA, um, that I was really scrambling. I was really having a hard time, even though I'd known what I'd done to my body. I um, I still uh, that that alcoholic mind, you know, it, that addicted mind. I know it was already coming up with excuses or, or scenarios and uh, platforms where I could have um, allowed myself to drink or do a drug again. And, and that's when, when I stepped in um, uh, with all of you people and I'd never been to an AA meeting. And um, there's a, a, a friend of mine at, um, in Baltimore puts it better than, than anywhere I've ever heard. He said that when he came in, um, after a while, um, that uh, that all of you people um, basically uh, gave him, all of you people gave me love. You surrounded me. You led me away from the edge of that cliff that I'd been hanging out on for so long. Um, another friend of mine has a hand grenade story, which is really, it's a comical story. But I realize that um, that's another good metaphor, that all of you surrounded me and took that hand grenade out of my hand and told me that it didn't have to be like this, that life did not have to be this, this, um, this uh, trap that I'd been caught in for so long. And even though I wasn't sure if I believed you, everyone in, in here was, was, had such, uh, was so well-meaning that uh, I thought, well, okay, all right, I'll, I'll keep coming to this meeting. So I was ordered to come once or twice a week um, and, uh, you know, go to one meeting every, you know, not often, but I, I ended up going uh, first uh, five days a week and then seven days a week. And then, and then now later with Zoom, I, I uh, even more often. And, and why is that? Um, it's uh, because I, I hear in here what I don't hear anywhere else. I, I remember the first share that I heard a woman was, she was a year sober and she was talking about things, um, things that she'd done, uh, things that, how she'd affected other people, how she'd affected herself. She was talking about things that I'd been taking such great pains to hide from every single person I knew for decades and decades. And that's when I realized it, um, it wasn't, it was never, it wasn't a sigh of relief in any way, but there was something inside me loosened and um, the sort of grip on, on my, on the whole alternative reality that I'd created for myself started to ease up. And, uh, and that's when, that's when my AA journey started. Um, one of the things um, that 
became clear to me when I was in the hospital, or nothing became clear to me, but um, I remember when they, the first time they'd stabilized me, they'd, uh, they were pumping blood out of my stomach. They, they were stopping the bleeding, although I was still hours away from that. I was on the IV getting more blood. And I remember just listening to my body. And it was like I could hear all of these uh, little clicks and sounds and whispers. And just, it was, the, it, they were the sounds of my body um, doing what it had to do in this emergency situation to keep me alive. And I realized that it had absolutely nothing to do with my brain whatsoever. I mean, it was everything to do with my brain, but it had nothing to do with my consciousness. And the, those sounds, it, um, uh, later looking back on it, it, it was, I imagine it was like um, all of these, um, all these little medics in my body were, were rushing out into the street, trying to get the traffic to go in the right direction, trying to get my blood flow going correctly, trying to keep my blood pressure from going too far down. It was really um, uh, fascinating and, and uh, it thought to think that that this, that I could have damaged myself so badly, but given being put into the right situation, being hospitalized, being with doctors who knew what they were talking about, uh, knew what they were studying, that, uh, that my body was able to take the clues and start healing itself. And, and it was a gradual process for a while, but a couple of years after that, I started feeling a lot better. When I came into AA, I, um, I was lucky in that I found a sponsor um, fairly quickly, and she's still my sponsor today. Um, she um, started pointing, uh, she started the steps, started doing the steps with me, and I was started to um, be able to see steps one and step two, and you know I knew it was coming. I read the steps ahead, of course, immediately. Uh, possibly before I even came into AA. And I thought, well, this is an, a weird opportunity for me to explore um, uh, the sort of uh, ideas about, about God that I'd been, um, or about not God, that I'd been wondering about, uh, you know, all my life. I thought, I saw this as an opportunity to do that. Um, at the same time, uh, I realized also that I've uh, identified uh, most mostly with um, agnosticism and atheism. So immediately I went and I started reading. I started reading, um, first of all, uh, Lucretius, the, um, the nature of things, the nature of the universe. It's a beautiful poem about the world. Um, and uh, he came from the perspective of it being made up of atoms, not made up of, of uh, uh, man-made belief systems that kept everything in place. And then I got into the agnostics and uh, all of them in uh, 19th century. Um, the, uh, and and that to me was, was really fulfilling as well. Um, one thing I was delighted to see in uh, eventually when I read Appendix Two of the Big Book, where um, where Bill Wilson chose to quote um, Herbert Spencer, uh, and uh, this quote is uh, Herbert Spencer was an early agnostic, and he was uh, he didn't coin the the term agnostic, but he was right there among the T. H. Huxley who did. 
um, when, let me just find that, that wonderful quote, <laughs> which is at the end of, uh, of the appendix two. Hold on. Uh, I'm not seeing it right in front of me at the moment, which is unfortunate. But I will say, um, okay, well, let's put that aside and it'll turn up. But it's uh, it's uh, uh, coming up with an opinion or a decision or a, a judgment on something prior to investigation. And um, I, when that was first uh, quoted to me, it seemed in AA that that was mostly used as a, as a good argument for opening up your mind to the possibility of God and opening up one's mind spiritually. I'm not sure how the agnostic Herbert Spencer meant it, but it gave me um, everything I needed to know about, um, about uh, what I needed to do to change my personality uh, to understand this program and to stay sober. It showed me how uh, the things that I needed to do to live my life, uh, not just sober, but to live it joyously in a sober, uh, without drugs and alcohol. Um, there's uh, another thing I was going to read, two more things, and then I'll uh, get down to it a little bit. Uh, this is from Asbill Sees It. It's uh, the first, very first blurb in that, um, it has often been said of AA that we are interested only in alcoholism. That is not true. We have to get over drinking in order to stay alive. But anyone who knows the alcoholic personality by firsthand contact knows that no true alky ever stops drinking permanently without undergoing a profound personality change. We thought conditions drove us to drink. And when we tried to correct these conditions and found that we couldn't do so to our entire satisfaction, our drinking went out of hand and we became alcoholics. It never occurred to us that we needed to change ourselves to meet conditions, whatever they were. The more I read of the big book and the more um, I read of, of uh, whether it was the big book or the 12 and 12, um, Bill Wilson, uh, he, he offers us um, a wonderful idea that we can use the group as our, as our um, higher power, that, and which made sense to me to a degree. Um, it's sort of as, uh, as long as I had a certain amount of faith and trust in you people, then that could carry me, carry me a long way in the second and third and the 11th steps. Um, the one thing that I think um, agnostics that I certainly figured out quickly also was that um, particularly in the chapter to the agnostics um, was that uh, basically uh, that thinking um, evidently is supposed to be a sort of temp uh, temporary catch-all, like a temporary jib in understanding a higher power um, that we would eventually mature and grow into um, understanding a real higher power, which is God. So um, I knew that uh, I needed to not rely on the big book or the 12 and 12 for my own uh, philosophical uh, studies, my own philosophical outlook, um, and my own future 
in in AA. So at, once I accepted that, once I accepted that that um, the thinking in AA, um, the, the sort of making fun of science or pitting science against uh, against spirituality, uh, pitting science against humility, that all of those things I was tangled up with and and driving my sponsor crazy with, I realized um, that I I didn't need them. I could, um, that this program was mine to follow in the way that I needed to follow it in the way that my mind works. And so that's what I did. So I started, um, so I, I started coming to meetings every day. The biggest thing that I did was I started listening to you people. I started um, opening up my mind and you all taught me what it is to be a real sober, joyous person. You taught me that I have the ability just with my story and with all of the things that I had done in my past, that I had the, the ability simply by telling those stories um, that um, to possibly help another alcoholic. And that, again, I was a sort of slow learner, but that took me a while to ingest that. I had to go through the steps first. I know a lot of people um, don't go through the steps and I don't think they're mandatory in any way. Um, I, I came up uh, with my sponsor, who's a traditional um, AA person and I did the steps with hers and she gave me every leeway to, uh, to understand the steps as I needed to understand them. And that is also what I found when I started going to uh, free thinker uh, groups and um, atheist agnostic groups and secular and all of that. I needed to step out of the Judeo-Christian male uh, religious world that I'd grown up in and understand uh, what my spiritual world was and and um for the past 10 years uh it's really it's it took me almost that long to have the confidence and the ability to understand that i'm that i'm okay that i'm not alone and that my greatest joy is being with people who have had struggles in their lives like all of us. All of us have survived our lives up until this point. And that became uh, the, the uh, I, I was not alone anymore. That's what it was. <laughs> so much of it is that, you know, we come in, no matter, no matter what the loving environment that I've had from my family, from my husband, everyone else, I was living in a prison that I created. And the only way to step out of that was to face what I'd done in the past, clean up what I'd done, and to look into the future as, 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 um, as one where I could actually be useful, where I, had, I could have some kind of purpose, some kind of meaning, not just feeling bad about everything I'd done in the past. So with the 11th step, um, although I... Um, I won't say although anything with the 11th step um, in its in its uh, original form, um, which is uh, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
when I came in, what I needed was a conscious contact with other human beings. And that's what I got here immediately. And it wasn't just with uh, any human beings. I met all of you people who had uh, an interest and a vested interest in helping me in my recovery. And once I understood that, once, once I got that, it made, uh, it opened up my heart and it made me realize and remember that, that I like people. I like people. I like hearing about your stories. I like hearing about your struggles and I like hearing about the change in each of us. Uh, I wouldn't be here if I was not able to change. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't able to dismiss the the general um, uh, uh, Judeo-Christian dogma that is throughout the Big Book in the Twelve and Twelve, I wouldn't be here if I if I had not realized that it that it was okay to do that, that it was okay to find my own path. It was okay for me to listen to you people and and try on different. Uh, different shirts, <laughs> different outfits that, that you've shown me in, in um, getting to uh, a different point in my life. And, and that's what I've been doing. I haven't been following my notes at all. Let me see what I have here. I, uh, here is the, um, the Herbert Spencer quote. Uh, quote, there is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, which cannot fail to keep a, ma a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. And I, I like to think that that, that, that works on, on many paths, that, that people who've, uh, who are religious, who've been devout or um, have an understanding with God, have had one all their lives or are just finding one, also are able to open their minds to the things like the primordial soup and the, um, and the Cambrian explosion and all of the things that have happened that we understand scientifically now that, um, that uh, I believe work works um it is never it's never antithesis to anyone's spirituality it's never a threat to understand things on a mathematic on a mathematical or scientific level it's never a threat to to whatever one finds in in uh, in one's own spirituality and and one's spiritual path i spent a, a couple of decades i i started drinking and doing drugs when i was 13 but I, I was um, really just chronically alcoholic for a little over two decades. And every night, every single night, it was important to me, uh, to, me to get hammered out of my skull and practically gas myself with cigarettes and then get up and then go to work. And then when as soon as I could get out of there and do the whole thing over and over again. So when I ended up hemorrhaging and when my husband got me to the hospital and I realized that everything had to change, that my entire projection of my adult life had come to an end and I had to start doing things different, differently. Um, I was as afraid as I could ever be 
but there was one thing that that kept me going and it was before I even came into the rooms of AA but it was the one thing in that I was grateful that I was given a second chance at all of this and I hear that again and again in the rooms that we've all survived our lives up to this point against many odds and uh and I've been given uh, it more than a second chance multiple chances to do it and it's made it's made me stop and it's made me understand that a that I have a future and that's okay <laughs> I'm I'm allowed I have permission to live that <laughs> and that also um, by making just a few simple changes, accepting a few simple things, I've been able to make myself available to other alcoholics and other people as a whole. And that is really the most rewarding thing that, that I ever thought I could feel. And I think I'm going to wrap this up right now. Um, um, I don't speak... Um, I don't speak to God one-on-one. -on -one. I don't understand what that would mean. But I do have a conscious contact with other people. I have a conscious contact with myself. I have an understanding and uh, an ability and love in my heart and an optimism and a, a cheerfulness <laughs> that I never had before. That all of these things, uh, the 11th step, means to me and i i just try to um do do the right thing and with that i'll keep coming back thank you <laughs>